Welcome to Grace United Methodist Church Sermon Podcast. We are a group of people who are caring together and growing together. You can learn more about our church and its ministries at franklingrace.org. We're going to read from Isaiah chapter 40. You've probably heard segments of that chapter at different times. It's, it's often quoted. It's a beautiful moment in Isaiah when the prophet is telling of what the heavenly beings have told him that God has told the heavenly beings. God tells the heavenly beings. They tell the prophet. The prophet comes to the people, and that's the words we have today, just in case you wondered exactly what's going on. Um, let's learn about the situation they are in, because that'll make the words make more sense that they are told. So in this bit of time, in this history, Isaiah chapter 40, there are, right beforehand, there were two groups of people, all called God's people, all part of Israel that regarded Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob as their forebears, and Jacob's other name, anybody know? Israel. And so the people of Israel, part of Jacob's tribe, they didn't always get along. Can you believe it? A family feud? Well, they became two different groups of people. And so they broke off. There was the northern kingdom, Israel, and there was the southern kingdom, Judah. Judah had Jerusalem, and they wrote from different perspectives. If you read from Kings, it's from one perspective. If you read from Chronicles, it's from the other. And sometimes they don't agree with each other. Can you believe it? Reporting things and not agreeing about the exact same thing that happened. It happens in Scripture, too. So Jerusalem, the temple is all in Judah. And what has happened up to this point is another empire has been around and been powerful. And this time it's been Assyria, the Assyrian empire. And they have conquered Israel and destroyed it and taken the people away. But Judah worked it out where they could kind of be a client state of the Assyrian Empire. Continue to exist, but pay money and and basically not mess with Assyria. And that's worked for a while. But eventually there's a revolt in the time of Nebuchadnezzar. And we know them as the Babylonians of, of who was residing over Judah. And the Babylonians fought back, destroyed Judah, destroyed the temple, carried the people off to Babylon, where they were exiled for generations. You may know that story, but understand the gravity of what has happened because it's so removed from how we do things. We know we can worship God from anywhere, right? We can worship God in any way. We can choose from a plethora of denominations and branches of the faith, and we don't feel like we're not connecting to God any more than any other group. Amen? I hope. I mean, this, this is our style. This is our calling, but some people are called in a different way. They're just as connected. In their time, you had to be on the land. You had to be by the temple where the presence of God resided. And so to be removed from the land after your temple was destroyed was a shock. Because when two nations fought, it was the God of one nation versus the God or gods of the other. And in this case, Judah lost. So how do you make sense of that? What does that do to you when you're now taken to another land and you will never come back? Your children might never come back. Your children's children in the story, we know that they, some of them do come back. So why did this happen? That would be the question on your mind. Why did this happen? Well, according to Isaiah, prior to this passage, remember, we're in chapter 40. 
The people played the game of the world, of the other nations. They joined in their game and they lost. Instead of trusting God to be their ruler, they wanted a king like everybody else. So in Samuel, that's what happens. Instead of being a simple people, and we used to refer to them in seminary as hillbillies because that's what the Israelites were called to be. They lived in the hills. They lived extremely simple, nothing fancy, because that was good enough. But they wanted to be fancy and have riches and influence and power like everybody else. So there's a passage in Kings about Solomon who builds the temple to God that God said not to build. And in this passage, it said that Solomon conscripted slaves to build God's temple. It also lists out Solomon's army and his weapons, including how many chariots he had, which are like tanks today. So basically, Solomon has become an arms dealer and has built the empire of Israel just like other empires. And eventually, they brought in slaves to build the temple to honor the God who frees people from, slave, or from slavery. Solomon's created another Egypt, and I don't even know that he realizes it. The writers do, because the way they write about it, it's very clear. So they got all mixed up. They started trusting other nations, other kings, and they forgot who they were. They forgot who they were called to be different. So they stopped honoring Sabbath. It lists that they didn't let the land lie follow. You're supposed to work the land for six years and on the seventh year not touch it. Let it breathe. They stopped being the people of God. And if you play the game of the world, sometimes you lose. Amen? Jesus said something similar. He said, if you live by the sword, because that's what happens. I'm not sure why so many people who in churches this morning think that picking up the swords is still the answer because there are plenty of us out there. We get confused. So in the passage, we'll read and then we'll notice what's being said. So in one part of the passage, the nations are being addressed. These other nations that they have been looking to and trying to live like. And what comes across in the passage when we hear it, it'll be like God saying, you want to be like other nations? Really? That's who you aspire to be? And then the passage addresses the idols, the gods that they would have found in the temples in Babylon, in these fancy temples and these really expensive wood that never rots, this kind of wood that they would use to make the god. And God reminds them, that's all created by people. It's all created by people. And those wooden images, you know they have to build them so they don't fall over? Because how embarrassing would it be if your god fell over? But that's what can happen. And then God reminds them who they are and who God is. So you ready? Isaiah chapter 40, verses 15 through 31. All the nations are as nothing before God. Okay, let me read it that way. And are accounted as dust on the scales. See, he takes up the isles like fine dust. Lebanon would not provide fuel enough, nor are its animals enough for a burnt offering. And here we go. All the nations are nothing before him. They are accounted by him as less than nothing and emptiness. To whom then will you liken God? Or what likeness compare with him? An idol? A workman casts it, and a goldsmith overlays it with gold and casts it for silver chains. As a gift, one chooses mulberry wood, wood that will not rot. 
then seeks out a skilled artisan to set up an image that will not topple. Have you not known? Have you not heard? Has it not been told you from the beginning? Have you not understood from the foundations of the earth? It is God who sits above the circle of the earth, and its inhabitants are like grasshoppers who stretches out the heavens like a curtain and spreads them like a tent to live in, who brings princes to naught and makes the rulers of this earth as nothing. Scarcely are they planted, scarcely sown, scarcely has their stem taken root in the earth when he blows upon them and they wither and the tempest carries them off like stubble. To whom then will you compare me? Or who is my equal, says the Holy One? Lift up your eyes on high, and see. Who created these? He who brings out their host and numbers them, calling them, by, calling them all by name, because he is great in strength, mighty in power. Not one is missing. Why do you say, O Jacob, and assert, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord, and my right is disregarded by my God? Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint and strengthens the powerless. Strengthens who? The powerless. Even youths will faint and be weary and the young will fall exhausted. But those who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. For the word of God in scripture, for the word of God among us, for the word of God within us, thanks be to God. And remember, this is being written to people who know. This isn't somebody who's first time to church ever, right? This is to people who should know better. What is being said is there is certainly a time to lament about the terrible things that happen. It's appropriate to grieve and lament, but we're 40 chapters in and the prophet's saying, it's time to stop. It's time to remember. There is heartache, there is disappointment. We live in a reality where we don't know everything, and we share that reality today, don't we? You know, at one time, not too long ago, we thought tobacco was harmless. Harmless. You were encouraged, right? Now we know. Now we know. So people aren't getting as sick and dying from it as they used to, because we know. But we don't know what causes cancer. We don't know what causes Alzheimer's or dementia. We don't know why we suffer through illness, disorders, and challenges. We don't know why our children get sick or have struggles that we don't want them to have. We still experience pain. We still experience death. We hurt each other. Families hurt each other. Friends hurt each other. Churches hurt each other. Americans hurt each other. Earthlings go to war as if one group of people from one patch of dirt is worth more than people from another patch of dirt, even though it's all the same. Even though we're all the same, we look different, we love different, we talk different, we're all the same. Something's happening to the weather and our planet. Now, people are hurting each other, arguing over whether that's actually true. And if it is true, they're arguing over what's really causing it, right? And we're hurting each other. So that's what we do. Plenty of leaders are still playing the game of the world, and plenty of us fall victim to it as well. Plenty of groups are still living and dying by the sword or bombs or guns or drones or tanks, modern-day chariots. 
We live in a world full of hurt. Amen? Amen. Full of sadness, full of pain. Yes, we do. The end. No. 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 Remember, there's a bigger story. There's a bigger story. Remember that there is a bigger God who's more expansive than any trouble and all the troubles put together and everything else along with it. We can make the biggest messes we want to make, and it's still not bigger than God. Amen? We can hate, we can divide, but it's still not more powerful than God. Amen? Remember what we have come to know. Remember what we have heard. Our God is the everlasting God. Our God's love is the final word over all we might ever face. Yes, it's appropriate to grieve. There are things happening which we should be angry and we should be doing something about. We should honor what we're feeling. But at the same time, we must remember the bigger story. We are God's precious people. This is God's precious earth. And the end of our story is everything being renewed and restored. Amen? It's as good as already happened. But it hasn't happened yet. Justice will have its day. Love will reign. And so endure the difficult days with the good news tightly in your grasp. Feel the pain with one hand and hold that promise with the other. Honor people's pain and grief, but... Remember, we stand upon the promise. So when we carry that promise firmly, when we have devastating days, we know that we will never be knocked down permanently. Amen? We may suffer great heartache, but it will not last. We may get lost in the sea of dark confusion, but we will be found, and we will be in the light. We will experience pain and death, all of us, but it will not be the final word. When we feel exhausted by the reality of our lives, of what's happening, we are carried by God with an energy of the good news, of the promise, as if we were kids able to run full speed all day long. Man, do I wish we could do that right now. Amen? As if we could glide forever in the skies like an eagle that seems to give no effort and yet never comes down. God speaks the final word, friends, always. God's word has come in flesh and blood in a way that Isaiah could only ever dream of. The word of God, Jesus Christ, has come to show us that good news in his very body and life, in his very death and resurrection, and in his continued presence in our lives before, in our lives today, and in our lives forevermore. Haven't you heard? Praise the Lord. Amen.